Hello, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to All Things Clutter. I'm Jess Marcy, your clutter coaching host. Hello, hello. <laughs> How is everyone doing today? Carol says, I'm ready. Excellent. That's awesome, Carol. I'm glad that you're here and I'm glad that you're ready. Today, we're going to talk about relationship clutter. Hey, Pat. Hey, Amy. So you guys, this is All Things Clutter. This is my weekly video podcast. And a couple of weeks ago, I posted, you guys, you might not know because I have basically no followers, but I have an Instagram account. And uh, <laughs> I posted this little graphic that I created on my Instagram account. I have it up on the screen over here. But if you are just listening to an audio replay, it's basically a picture of a dozen eggs and they all have little different faces drawn on them. And I wrote in the kind of caption, relationship clutter is one of the hardest forms of clutter to deal with. Now, as I said, I don't have a huge following on Instagram. I don't get a ton of interaction on anything that I post there, but I just continue to do it because I actually have no idea why. <laughs> uh, it's fun. I like making these little graphics. But I posted this and it got a ton of people responding to it and saying, can you talk more about the issue of relationship clutter? And so, of course, I said yes. And then I thought, what the heck is relation? What, what does that mean exactly? What like when we talk about relationship clutter, what are we even talking about? <laughs> right? This could be there's so many ways that you can go when you're talking about relationship clutter. So I'm just going to break it down. The three things. My Instagram is prioritize your sanity. So it this would be maybe a good time to say if you're not following me on Instagram, go ahead and follow me on Instagram. My dog agrees. Um, and if you are not subscribed to me on YouTube, definitely subscribe to me on YouTube also. It's also prioritize your sanity um, because then you can see all of the replays of these video podcasts. I'll just let my dogs run away from the window. <laughs> I have the window open because it's finally a nice day here. Okay, so that's how you can find me. Uh, so, And if you are watching this replay on YouTube, go ahead and subscribe. Uh, that would be awesome for me. I am really trying to grow my YouTube channel. So if you guys could help, I would love it. So anyway, relationship clutter. I started to think about this. What, what exactly is relationship clutter? So I've broken it down into three different, really broad categories, and I'm going to touch upon each one. If you want me to do another podcast diving deeper into any one of these areas, I am totally happy to. I want to create content that you want to hear. So definitely give me some guidance here. So, okay, relationship clutter could be literally the physical clutter in your house that is causing the relationships that you of the people that you live with to become cluttered, right? So it could be clutter in your relationships with people that you live with due to the clutter in the house, right? It's all clutter. It could also be clutter in somebody else's house. Now, most specifically, when I talk to clients and just people in our broad community about clutter, one issue that comes up all the time is how clutter is impacting the relationship 
that a child has with their parent. And this is an adult child with their older adult parent, right? So um, a lot of times we are dealing with situations where senior citizens are living in homes where there's a lot of stuff and it can become dangerous. So that's another form of clutter in relationships that really is tricky to deal with. Now, relationship clutter could also be referring to physical clutter in your house that is from past relationships. That's another form of relationship clutter. And then of course, the biggest form of relationship clutter is when you have a relationship with somebody and part of the relationship or the entire relationship feels like clutter, like it's having an impact on you that feels like clutter. So three different types of clutter and relationships. Uh, and let me know in the comments which one you're really interested in hearing about. The physical clutter in your house that's impacting the relationships of the people in the house. The physical clutter in somebody else's house in your family that's impacting your relationship with them. Clutter from past relationships that is in your home that is impacting your emotional well-being today or relationships that feel like clutter. Okay, so those are the different types of clutter. So let's just kind of talk about, and if you guys have questions as we're going along, drop them in the comments, because this, like I said, is a really big topic, and I have some questions that came in beforehand that I'm going to talk to, but I'm also happy to kind of take it as it comes, right, and, and you know, answer your questions live. So, and then come back and do a more in-depth as well. So physical clutter in your house that is impacting relationships of the people who live in your house. So this is a really interesting thing. The truth is, and give me a heart or a thumbs up if you believe this is true. When you start clearing clutter, and I wrote this down because I want to get it right the way that I say it. When you start clearing clutter in your house, when you start working on clutter, this is a clear sign to the other people that you live with, that you are creating a pathway for personal growth. So clearing clutter, when you start throwing stuff out, when you start going through everything that you own, when you start decluttering your house, this says to the other people in your house that you are clearing away for personal growth. And that can feel really scary right? That can feel really, really scary. So either if you have been the person clearing the clutter or if you have lived with the person clearing the clutter, it makes everyone feel uneasy. Why? Because we are used to our personal landscape. When you come into your home, what you see is your landscape. You are so used to this landscape that it is really a part of who you are. Your home is a manifestation of your family. And when you start to change that <laughs> landscape, you're not just changing your landscape, you're changing the landscape for everybody who lives in the house. And it can be very, very emotional. And it can also cause the other people that you live with to start to question the value of themselves in your life. So when you start identifying clutter to get rid of, it's only natural to wonder <laughs> if 
as like as the other person if they will become labeled a piece of clutter, right? If you will want to declutter them from your life. So it really creates some uneasiness in these relationships. It also just is a source of friction because you might want to get rid of something and somebody else might not want to get rid of something. So there's all these different ways that some object in your house clearing clutter can start to make everyone act and feel a little different, right? Everyone is being pushed to the edges of their comfort zone. Things are changing. Change is uncomfortable for humans. <laughs> so how do we deal with this? How do we deal with the clutter in our homes and the people that we live with? The number one best piece of advice that I have is honest, open, difficult communication. Communication is key. It's absolutely key. Even if you're not sure why, like what your end goal is, like you know that you want to clear clutter because it feels good to live in a decluttered home, but you know that there's something bigger too, right? Like you are on the path forward, right? So clearing clutter is a sign that you are clearing a pathway for your personal growth. So you might be on this, you might know that you're on this path of personal growth, but you might not know where you're going and that's okay. So that might make it difficult though for you to talk to somebody else in your house because you're not sure what your end goal is. Yes, your end goal is to clear the clutter, but your end goal is also to grow as a person and you're not even sure who that person is going to be when you're done. So that makes the conversation difficult to have. So all that you need to say is, listen, things are changing in this house. I feel like things are changing inside of me. And then, you know, just make sure that you say something to let the other person know that you still value and care about them, right? So I know that things are changing. I know I'm trying to make some improvements. I know that I might be showing up a little bit differently, but I love you and I appreciate your support, right? Like it can be so simple, but just kind of addressing the elephant in the room can be such a, a huge way to move forward, right? Um, so, <laughs> I'm just reading some comments here. We're gonna come back to these comments because they're all really, really good. Okay, so that's, so clear, honest, open communication is huge and I'm gonna say this over and over again in this podcast. Now, when you are dealing with somebody else's home that is cluttered, so typically this is your parent, right? So you're dealing with a parent who has a lot of clutter in their house and you are concerned that, up, are we off the video here? Let me know if you guys are still, if this is still broadcasting, let me know because I have a message here that, <laughs> that somebody lost the video feed, which happens a lot on Facebook. It does drop out a lot. Sometimes you have to refresh it, but you're still, okay, we're still, so we're still live, right? Okay, great. So when we are talking about dealing with clutter in our parents' homes and you're worried that the clutter is going to become physically hazardous to your parents, how do you deal with that? So that's another way that clutter can really impact a very important relationship. So my best advice for this comes from one of my students who's in Clutter Boss Academy. Hey, Pat. <laughs> um, so Pat has a recommendation for a book, which I read a long time ago, and then she reminded me about it. The book is called 
uh, how to say it to seniors. And this, the goal with your parents and their clutter is to open up a line of communication about it. It is not necessarily to solve the problem because this is a problem that might have such a complicated solution, you can't actually implement it. So the goal with when you are dealing with your aging parents and they have a lot of clutter in their house is to be able to open up the lines of communication. And this book is really quite brilliant in helping you start that conversation. So the book is called How to Say It to Seniors. Now, just this morning, as I was thinking about this, I did reach out to the author of the book to see if I could get some insight from him about how to deal with seniors who are living in a hoarding situation or living in a situation where there's a lot of stuff um, and it, you know, it might become hazardous. So hopefully he'll get back to me. Um, and you know, maybe he even wants to come on my podcast. Who knows? <laughs> uh, but that is another way that clutter can impact relationships. Okay. Clutter from past relationships in your house. Another huge, huge category that holds people back from being able to move forward. So if you have clutter that you are dealing with in your house from a past relationship, let me know in the comments. Is this, is this something that you are dealing with? My best advice here is just to say, really, you don't need to deal with all of the physical stuff from a relationship right away. You do need to deal with it at some point, but if you have boxes of stuff or bits and pieces of things from past relationships that are creating a negative feedback loop in your, so every time you see it, you have a negative feeling um, and it's, it's creating this negative feedback loop in your life. Number one, you want to recognize that, right? That this is causing negativity, not positivity. This is a collection of items. And what we do with a collection of items is we put them all together in just one spot, right? And then we create a home for them. So when you have this collection of clutter from your past relationship, you want to take it, put it into one spot and create a home for it. Now, this is a very common mistake. <laughs> uh, it's come up in Clutter Boss Academy a lot this week, actually. Um, but this is a very common mistake. We tend to put this stuff into our closets or bedrooms. I am not sure why, but it is, I guess because it's personal to us and that's a personal space. But if you have anything in your life that feels negative, you wanna move it out of your personal space and into a, a spot where you are not going to be looking at it or seeing it or knowing it's there when you're trying to relax. So. In this case, I would say, and you know, I never recommend storing stuff in basements, garages, or attics, but like a basement or a garage might be an okay spot for this stuff just for right now. Because if you have things that are creating a negative feedback loop, but you cannot deal with them right now, you really want to move them out of the space that you're creating in your home, that space that should nourish your soul. So put that stuff into a box and put it into the garage or into the basement. Um, you do have to address this stuff eventually, <laughs> but you do not need to address it right away. So another common mistake that I see is people don't start decluttering because they're afraid that they're going to have to address something very emotional. You don't. You do not need to address the very emotional stuff right now you don't even need to address it in the next couple of months you don't need to address it until you have the support 
that you need to address that. And that could be, you know, a year or two down the road. It could involve a therapist. It could involve a community. It could take more than just you to be able to address this stuff. So you don't need to deal with anything that is too emotional right away. The correct order to declutter is from emotionally easy to emotionally difficult. So if you are not decluttering because there's something very emotionally difficult that you do not want to deal with, move that, put that stuff all together in one location, move it out of the spaces that you're creating for yourself and deal with it at a time when you are able to deal with it, right? So don't let that stop you from dealing with all of the rest of the stuff that you can deal with right now. So that's how we work on clutter from past relationships. I would say, because you don't want this stuff to linger forever, I would say that if you have clutter from past relationships in your house, put on your calendar a date like six months from now and just commit six months from now to looking at that stuff briefly, just to kind of see if it feels different or to see if there are certain objects in that collection that you can let go of because time does heal some wounds, but <laughs> therapy and support heal the rest of the wounds, right? Um, so, but sometimes, you know, I, I would say that you don't want to let this just go on and on and on for years and years and years. So put a date on your calendar where you're going to just go and look at that. And if it still feels really difficult, maybe then that's a trigger to you that says, okay, it's time for me to get a therapist. It's time for me to call a girlfriend. It's time for, time for me to get some more support around this because it's not getting any easier, right? So just kind of have it on your calendar. Know that you'll figure it out when the time comes, um, but the time is not right now. I just want to say hi to everyone who's joining us here. Tammy and Kelly and Laura and Pat, Amy and Amy, Martina, Lana. Oh, Lana, you're doing an awesome job with your uh, closet, by the way. Uh, Kim, Laura, Patty, Susan, Lisa, April. The book that I recommended for talking to your parents is called How to Say It to Seniors, if you missed that. Colleen, hello, hello. I am so glad you guys are here. Okay, now on to the big topic, <laughs> relationship clutter. So this is relationships that feel like clutter that are in your life. Typically, they're with a significant other. They could be with a friend, another family member, um, but relationships that are really, really emotional or just not, not feeling really good right now. So I was talking to somebody about this who wrote in a question, um, and this person said, it's hard to view the other person in their life um, as clutter. It feels bad because the person that they're dealing with is not like clutter to them, but the relationship is not feeling great. So I thought a little bit about this comment. The textbook definition of clutter is anything that impedes movement. So I just want to repeat that. Clutter is anything in your life that impedes movement, but it's not necessarily positive or negative. So we tend to view clutter in a negative light, but everything that's clutter in our life started off not everything, but a lot of stuff that comes into our life starts off positively and then it somehow turns into a negative, a negative thing that we call clutter. But clutter is not necessarily 
positive or negative. It's just anything that's impeding movement. So if there's something or someone that is stopping you from moving forward, that is clutter. And this could be happening for totally pure and positive reasons, but it's still holding you back, right? Okay, so... <laughs> Um, so I also want, okay, I wanted to talk also, how does something become clutter? So if we bring something into our life, a person, a thing, you know, we bring it in usually, and there's a positive reason for it, but what actually designates something as clutter in our life after, you know, after we've had it for a while. So there's a couple of ways that something can become, or someone can become clutter. Number one, anytime you bring anything into your life and it doesn't have a home. So if you bring something into your house and it doesn't have a designated home, then it is clutter, right? Because there's no place for it to go. So likewise, if there's somebody in your life that's not fitting in quite as well to where you are today, that feels like clutter to you. Like it's not a good fit, right? So that's one way that things can become clutter. Another way that something can become clutter is if we have something in our life that is not relevant to our life today. So whatever we have in our homes should really reflect, support, and be relevant to the life that we are living right now. So if you have teenage kids and you have stuff from when they were toddlers, that's not reflective, supportive, or, you know, it's not enhancing your life today, right? So that's why that would clearly be clutter. But the same thing can happen with people. If there's somebody in our life who is not reflective of our life today, is not supportive of our life today, then that person is going to feel like clutter. And it's not necessarily a negative. It's just somebody who is preventing you from moving forward. Does this resonate? Is this making sense? So what do you do? What do you do in this situation? How do you deal with this person who is impeding your movement, who is not reflective of where you are in your life today? Difficult, honest, open communication is definitely the first place to start, right? So difficult, honest, open communication. Oh, thank you, Amy. <laughs> The first thing to do is to honestly communicate, number one, with yourself, right? So, you know, have this, don't, don't bring in other clutter to distract you from this clutter. Be open with your feelings. Be open in your communication with yourself. So if you find that this relationship is causing, a, you know, you to band-aid it with other clutter. So maybe you're going shopping, you're spending more time on your phone, you're doing things to kind of fill a void or numb yourself from the relationship. Number one, honest, open, difficult communication with yourself is critical. It's absolutely critical. One way that you can start to communicate with yourself is to journal. So journal your feelings, journal your thoughts. Journaling doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be like how you see it, you know, on the internet. Like it doesn't, it doesn't need to be like Instagram worthy or Pinterest worthy journaling, right? Journaling can just be, I have a thought, I want to put it on paper. There's a huge benefit to stopping when you're having some really emotional thoughts and writing something down because you're transferring that thought 
from the whirlwind of your brain onto a sheet of paper. So that makes it a lot easier to objectively look at what you're thinking because it's right there in front of you instead of all over your brain, right? So journaling can be really a, a very effective tool for communicating with yourself. Uh, meditation is another way that you can really communicate with yourself. Sit with your thoughts and sit with your feelings, even if it's uncomfortable, for 30 seconds, right? Just feel what you're feeling, take a deep breath, and see what comes up. Um, but if you are engaging activities to kind of separate yourself from your feelings, that's probably not really going to help you move forward. <laughs> Jennifer says she needs to break up with the phone. I get that. Um, side note, Jen, <laughs> there is a do not disturb feature on your phone. And I would highly recommend that if you recognize that you need to take a break from your phone in the moment, turn on do not disturb, put it down and walk away. Um, it's really helpful because then you're not getting, you know, emails and text messages and notifications and everything. It's a good way to give yourself a break from your phone. Um, also, honest, difficult, open communication with the other person. You know, state the facts. Things are changing in my life uh, and this is how I am feeling. Maybe, you know, you can go to therapy together, uh, but just clear the air with a conversation, a difficult conversation, a short conversation, but just get it out there because <laughs> otherwise it's like a pile of clutter where your feeling is at the bottom of the pile buried, right? So just bring it up to the top of the pile and let it go bit by bit. It's like going through your shoe collection, right? <laughs> I, I really can liken almost anything back to decluttering like physical objects. So imagine you have a pile of shoes and you need to declutter it. So, but the ones that you want to wear are kind of like at the bottom. So you just bit by bit, one pair at a time, let go of a pair of shoes. Bit by bit, slowly have these difficult conversations. It does not need to be a big, long, deep conversation where you solve something. It really just needs to bring up some things that are going on in your swirling brain, right? So have these difficult, honest, open conversations. Um, at the end of the day, this is what I say to my kids all the time. So this is the, like, I, I'm always telling my, my daughters this. And that is nobody, and this is like just, it's one of these like cold hard truths, right? And it might be hard to hear, but nobody cares about you as much as you care about you. And that's just the truth. Nobody knows what's going on in your head like you know what's going on in your head, right? So you have to prioritize yourself first and foremost because nobody can possibly prioritize you more than you can prioritize you. You have to advocate for yourself. You have to share what you're thinking. Nobody is in that brain. Nobody knows what's going on. And while like as a parent, I care about my daughters more than anything else in the world, but I really think that I can't possibly care about them as much as they care about themselves because I just don't know what's going on inside that head. And this is not, you know, this is not a negative thing. This is just saying, 
in relationships when you know when they get older and they get involved with relationships you have to put yourself first because the expectation that somebody else is going to put you first is going to understand all of your needs is going to understand exactly where you are in your life right now that is a that's false that is impossible right it's just like when you when you spend so much time you know trying to make yourself look perfect to go out nobody even notices right it it's i mean people might say oh you look nice or whatever but nobody cares about you as much as you care about you so i feel like this is a big heavy topic that we've covered today let me just go through my notes here and see um Oh, thank you, Melissa. <laughs> See if there's anything that I missed because I jotted down a lot of notes before this and then we'll go into the comments. Uh, <laughs> Linus is not the shoes. <laughs> That's funny. Um, okay, yes. So you have to prioritize your sanity, right? That's the name of the game. Prioritize your sanity and value your time. Remember, time is a non-renewable resource in life. All this other stuff, you know, the, the money, money is a renewable resource, but if a relationship is sucking away your valuable time, you need to prior, you need to value your time and prioritize your sanity. Nobody else is going to do that for you. I'm going to go back into these comments here. If you guys have questions, drop a question. Um, okay. So Barbara says, my husband is trying to move me too fast. I've tried to talk to him about slowing down. Uh, pu so pushing this on me. So Barbara, are you, is he trying to push you to declutter stuff too quickly? Is that, um, is that what you're referring to? Because I will just, I want to say that if you are forced to throw out stuff, that is a form of trauma that can induce a form of trauma. And I would definitely recommend going at your own pace, but steadily moving forward slowly. Also, maybe there are some things that you can deal with that will satisfy, you know, some like a, a category that he really wants to get rid of that you can more easily deal with. And that would be a good place to start. So maybe redirecting some of that energy into a place that feels safe for you could work. Um... Oh, Kim says the same thing. My husband stresses me out. He wants to throw everything out, but I want to go through each item. Yeah, so this is a really big issue. Um, and this is an, one of those areas where honest, open communication needs to come in. I think the reassurance that you are going to keep moving forward at your own pace is really important. You're not going to give up. But one reason that you would give up or that you haven't give it, have given up in the past is because the pressure to throw something out is so overwhelming that it causes you to shut down. So sometimes you really just need to tell the other person exactly what they need to say to you for them to feel, for it to be effective for you to listen to it, right? So maybe you could say to your husbands, listen, I want to work on this. I want to be successful. But what I need from you is constant encouragement and love and support and not the pressure to throw stuff out because that is going to cause me to shut down. Our goals are the same, 
but the way that we get there is a slightly different timeline. So my promise to you is that I will keep working on this if you can just dial back the pressure a little bit so that I feel comfortable moving forward, right? So is that, does that resonate? Can, is that something that a conversation that you feel like you might be able to have? Um, what happens when their home is your home? This is very complicated. <laughs> um, you know, I think in this case, Patty, I, I know we, this is, this is a really complicated situation. Whose home is it? Um, and if you own the home that your parents live in and it was your family home, my advice would be number one, don't get into that situation. <laughs> if you're listening to this and you're considering this as a possibility for your future, I would advise against it. It's so complicated moving into a family home. Um, even if the, the family is not living there anymore, the, if you move into a family home, they will leave behind all of their stuff and you will have to deal with it. This is just how it goes. Um, so before you get into a situation where you're living in a family home or living with family members in their home or owning a family home that your parents are living in, you want to have some very, very clear guidelines. Um, you know, honest, open, difficult conversations. This doesn't, I'm paying the mortgage, but this does not feel like my home. You know, I mean, there's, I would try saying it in as many different ways as possible right now. Be very clear about the impact on your sanity living in this situation. And also recognize, always recognize, so we do this thing called a compliment sandwich, right? This is what my second grade, my second graders teacher taught their class about how to communicate with other people. The compliment sandwich. Start with a compliment, put the like, the bulk of what you want to say that feels negative in the middle, end with a compliment. You know, mom. I know that you love me and I know that you love this house. Living like this is absolutely causing me severe anxiety and depression. I want to support you and I want to be here for you, but I also want to not live under this constant feeling of overwhelm. Is there any way that we can work together moving forward? And I don't know if that's going to work, but the more that you say it, the better. I think. Okay, just going through the comments here. Um, previous marriage and relationships definitely put that stuff into one spot and, you know, get it out of your, your common living space and your personal living space if you can. Um, Martina, there's lots of stuff and he has been passed on seven years ago. So... Do you have all of the stuff in one location? Is it is it at least kind of like gathered up in one spot? That would be the first thing to do is to pull it all together so that it's a collection as a whole. And then I would do that every six months, kind of visit it. Visit it and see um, if your feelings about the things have shifted at all. This is, we can do a whole, and I will put it on my list, a whole podcast about grieving and dealing with stuff that people have left behind because that that is really a topic onto itself um and i just want to say i i am sending you a lot of love because this is very very difficult even 
as time goes by, even seven years later. It's extremely difficult. Um, oh, Kelly's cleaning and listening to the podcast. That's awesome. Hi, Kelly. <laughs> Keep cleaning. Good work. <laughs> okay, just scrolling through here. What if the other person is not receptive to therapy or keeps changing the topic? Also very difficult. Um, at the end of the day, you can really only control yourself, your emotions. Um, you can't make somebody else change. You can't make somebody else feel open to a topic. You can offer a lot of invitations for the discussion. Um, but at some point, you really need to prioritize your own sanity, right? So it, it, you, and that's a determination that you kind of need to come to on your own, but journaling, meditation, um, prayer, if, if you pray that, you know, meditation, prayer, I think that they both are very effective. Um, Candy, your thoughts and feelings being at the bottom of the pile of clutter that just clicked for me. That's awesome. Candy. Yes. So just starting to kind of pull stuff out slowly, right? One thing at a time, just one sentence at a time. So Carol says I had an honest conversation with my husband and he wouldn't respond, but he went downstairs and declared some things for two days and then he stopped. So Carol, I think that was his response. Uh, sometimes a response is not verbalized. A response is an action. And I think that even though that might not have felt very, it's never, it never feels good when the other person actually doesn't respond. But if they start decluttering and they are receptive to what you said, but with an action, then that definitely is a response. And I would say it was successful. That conversation was, was a success. I mean, it wasn't a success forever, but it got things moving in the right direction. So something about what you said or the way that you said it resonated and worked. So maybe revisit that conversation and see if you can figure out what was the effective thing that caused the action. And then also when you're in the role of encouraging somebody else to declutter, make sure that you are as supportive as you possibly can be understanding that what this person is going through is obviously deeply emotional. Um, so sometimes we have very, very, we're stuck in very, very deeply rooted patterns with our spouses. And if you can start to break your side of that pattern, if you can have a different reaction, when the decluttering starts to happen, a new reaction, uh, it can be really, really effective helping your spouse move forward. Um, okay, let's see. Journaling for the swirling brain. That makes so much sense. Never thought of it like that. Jen, you should definitely start journaling. I just wanted, that would be awesome because you, when, when your brain is really, not meant to just have to have things swirling around in there, right? If something feels swirling, put it on paper. And then you can also take that paper and throw it away or burn it really kind of like 
put an end to the thought that's just like constantly swirling and see if a new thought comes. Um, it, I, when I was, uh, I always had a hard time sleeping for my whole entire life up until my early twenties, when I finally researched like how to sleep through the night, how to get to sleep, all of this stuff. And one of the things that I started doing was train of conscious, uh, journaling. So basically as I'm lying in bed and there were thoughts swirling in my head, I would have a notepad next to my bed on my nightstand and a pen. And I would just write everything in the dark, everything that was on my mind, every single thing. And then I would crumple up that sheet of paper, throw it at the, you know, someplace. And I would be able to go to sleep because I got all of those swirling thoughts out of my mind and onto a sheet of paper. And that was all that my brain needed was just to kind of have that space to be able to sleep. So it really journaling in all different ways can be really effective. How do you handle an ex where he is Mr. Nice Guy to a monster the next? You never know which one will be. Uh, I would say, Brenda, definitely have really, really strict boundaries. Uh, I would assume, I would always expect the monster uh, because somebody who's Mr. Nice Guy and also a monster is just pretending to be Mr. Nice Guy. So I would have really, really firm, firm boundaries and always be expecting, you know, to have to maintain those boundaries. So that's definitely, I would definitely, that, that would be my, and just so you know, I'm not a therapist. <laughs> this is just what I've learned dealing with people um, and helping them declutter. So if you really need a lot of support and more, you know, uh, getting a therapist is for sure uh, absolutely worthwhile. Um, there's my disclaimer though. This is not, I am not a therapist. Uh, this is just from experience working with a lot of people for a long time in highly emotional situations. Michelle says exactly what I need support and encouragement from my spouse. Yes. And so if you can very specifically and clearly state that, and you might need to state it more than once, I would definitely do that. Hi, Annie. <laughs> I'm so happy you're here. So uh, Candy says, I kind of backed off decluttering um, for other reasons too. I can't blame him totally, but I didn't communicate. Um, he came and said he wants to help out and will try not to get ahead of me and stand back and wait for me to ask him to take stuff to Goodwill. So Candy, that's an awesome response. That's really, really awesome. Um, and so I think even if you didn't at the time recognize how awesome that was, it's never too late to say, you know what? Thank you. That was really an awesome response. And at the time, I just couldn't say that. Bye, Elizabeth. Enjoy your work. Laura says, my son has no attachment to his stuff, but I am still grieving him getting rid of all of his stuffed animals. So, Laura, that, you know, what happens there is that you're really grieving him growing up, right? So, if you can recognize how the little boy that played with stuffed animals and had stuffed animals is now the older child who is playing with an Xbox, um, but he couldn't get to where he is right now without going through that early stage where you were 
you know, the mother of the toddler and you helped him get to where he is today. And if you can start to recognize that and recognize all of the characteristics that he embodies that came from those early days, it can help to let go of the stuffed animals. Now, you don't need to let go of every single stuffed animal. Pick your two favorites and hang on to those, right? So you still have something, but you don't have the entire collection. Uh, and journal about it, <laughs> write about it. Being home for seven weeks has been too much also. It feels overwhelming, clutter and life. Yes, that is a common feeling, Barbara. So you should just know that you are definitely not alone. Um, you're welcome, Martina. Okay, so... <laughs> um, you guys are amazing. Hey, Jenny. So Colleen says, I try and be happy about my daughter getting rid of her stuff because it keep, I keep seeing it as her being mentally healthy and I don't want her to have my same struggle. That is a really, really awesome way to look at it. 100%. Uh, so Lonnie, I would say, you know, if your husband is an extreme minimalist and expects cabinets to be empty, that's definitely, you know, living with somebody else is a negotiation. Um, so if he can, you know, if you can talk to him about how you guys can negotiate your space, so you have space that you have executive control over, he has space that he has executive control over, but the shared spaces are somewhere in between, um, that would be a good place to start that conversation. Okay, so it's one o'clock um, and it's time to end this podcast. If you guys enjoyed this, please share it with somebody else who might need to hear it. Follow me on Facebook, on Instagram, especially on YouTube, um, and let me know what you want to hear more about. So I have a list over here of different things that I am, you know, have on the list for the future podcast, but I'm happy to put anything else in there. Um, you guys are amazing, amazing, amazing. Thank you for showing up and doing this very, very hard work. I'll see you guys all next Tuesday.